Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph, and I'm here with my best friend, Alex. Welcome to the fantasy football playoffs, everyone. It's great to be back. Uh, Steph and I had a great weekend full of football in Turkey. I hope uh, that you guys did too. Hopefully, we secured some wins last week and some playoff berths in fantasy. I'm excited to be back on the pod, and um, as always, we appreciate all of the support and the questions on social media. Yeah, we got a lot of good questions, and week 13 was just an absolute blast. I want to give some shout-outs to some of the folks in our community. Uh, Shout-out to Frankie Medrano uh, on Twitter. Uh, We gave him some advice that helped him clutch his playoff berth. Uh, also another one, you know, we told some people to start Devonte Parker. They were thanking us for that. Uh, shout out to Brandon Lutch and one more shout out again to fantasy soldier. Keep rocking buddy. We appreciate your support and man, what a, what a week. And, and I'm so pumped up for week 14. It's going to be fantastic. We have a great show. Very excited for today's show. Very excited for the playoff push. Um, really got some great takes in here, so can't wait to get into it. And one more time, I'll plug our YouTube channel. Go check that out. Alex and I are putting out uh, what we call fantasy film room videos, where we go through a player's touches and their targets and give some fantasy outlook based on what we saw in certain games in certain weeks. Uh, definitely check that out. I'll be dropping one here on Baltimore Ravens t- tight end Mark Andrews. Uh, probably tomorrow is when I'll drop that. But Alex... Anything else we need to do before we jump into some of these hot takes? Before we jump into some of our takes, I just want to recap. Oh, man. Quickly, I have to take a victory lap while I have the chance because, as a lot of people know, if you're looking at a fantasy analyst, if they can get 60% of stuff right, like that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I just have to take a victory lap on my starts of the week. It's the first time I think I've ever nailed all four. I had Goff at QB, who was QB4. Miles Sanders at running back, who was running back six. Ridley at wide receiver, who was wide receiver 18. And Darren Waller at tight end, who was tight end five. So, uh, had some great picks last week. Looking forward to hopefully keeping that going this week as we move into the playoffs. And um, as always, we'll have starts of the week coming up here and then some deep shots as well. Yeah, not only are we in some fantasy playoffs in our own leagues, we're also joining up with your fantasy league and Polly Sleepers on a charity for Shriners Children Hospital. Uh, really looking forward to that. We're actually in the middle of a draft right now. Uh, Alex and I have been going back and forth on some of these different takes on players. I think it's been a, a lot of fun doing that. Really excited to see how that goes against some other uh, guys here in our community. Without further ado, I think it's time to jump into it with our first segment here, Bounce Back Fantasy Players of the Week. Now, a little bit different than how we usually do this, as opposed to going through you know, maybe one or two guys who we see as bounce-back candidates, what we're actually going to do is go through a number of different guys and just kind of give a one-to-two-sentence take on each one, uh, maybe stop and drill down on a few of them. But I want to be able to cover more players here. I think that'll be more value for those of you listening, uh, and I think it'll just be more fun for us as well. So uh, we'll go through each of these players here that kind of put up stinkers uh, in week 13, talk about their matchup in week 14, if they're a guy you need to sit or you need to start. And the first one here is Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon put up a little bit of a stinker this week against the Broncos, which is a, a bit of a tough matchup. A- Alex, do you think he can bounce back? I do. I would start Melvin Gordon this week. He, he wasn't awful last, last week against Denver. He had 13 PPR fantasy points. Uh, but with Melvin Gordon, they're playing Jacksonville. Jacksonville is 25th against the running back this season. 
And Melvin Gordon, over his past four games, is averaging 19 carries and two catches per game. So 21 total touches gives you a couple catches there to help you out in PPR. So you can't doubt the volume that he's getting, and he's looked better and better each week. So I'd roll out Melvin with confidence. Yeah, certainly 13 didn't kill you in week 13. But, you know, you want a little bit more than that. And, and just as another reminder here, everything we're talking about is in terms of PPR points. We're just PPR guys. What more can you say? Next one here, Aaron Jones. Is he going to bounce back against Washington? Kind of a weird game uh, against the Giants in week 13. I, this is tough. This is tough. I think yes, but I don't feel great about it. I think if you've got Aaron Jones, you have to start him for the, for the touchdown upside. Washington's 21st against running backs, but I was looking at the game logs for the Packers, and over the past four weeks, Aaron Jones has 11.5 touches a game, and Jamal Williams actually has 13 touches a game. So Jamal Williams has surpassed Jones on touches, and even in a 50-50 split, it's, it's a tough gamble in that Green Bay backfield. But because you probably don't have any better options, I'm fine with starting Jones this week. I think he could find the end zone against Washington. Yeah, and Jones had 11 carries on the ground for 18 yards, so not very effective there. Um, he did have four receptions, though, so maybe that's where he'll kind of make his hay is in the passing game. Let's move over to another Jones here, Ronald Jones who had a really, really rough outing, was taken out of the game. He's against the Colts this week that are 27th against running backs. Do you feel confident, though, starting Ronald Jones, even in a pretty solid matchup? Absolutely not. I think the, <laughs> run, the Tampa Bay backfield has been impossible impossible to predict all season. Bruce Arians came out and said that Jones is still the Buccaneers starting running back. But then again, Jones was their starting running back last week, and he got .8 fantasy points. So... I mean, if you're in a real pinch, like, I guess I'd rather start Jones than some type of handcuff, but if I've got any kind of other option, I'd I'd lean away from Jones. I'm worried about him moving forward just with some inconsistent play. Yeah, Tampa Bay is just one of those backfields you want to avoid regardless of match, matchup. I'd rather not have to make a tough decision, so I wouldn't touch Jones with a 10-foot pole this week. Another guy we need to talk about, Jamison Crowder. He was one of my bounce backs of the week last week. And if you started him, he probably burned you. You know, two receptions for eight yards. Pretty rough outing. And and this week, though, he does have Miami, who's 27th against wide receivers this season. Would you roll Jamison Crowder out there after, you know, three very, very solid back-to-back weeks uh, prior to the, the you know, last stinker against Cincinnati and before that, Oakland? I would. I'd be willing to flex Crowder. I don't feel great about starting him just because he's burned you the last two games in what should have been really good matchups. Here he's got another great matchup, but looking at last game, he still had nine targets, and he only turned it into two catches. You'd think if he continues to get that kind of target share, especially against the Dolphins, he should be able to have some better efficiency. They'll be at home in this one, so I'm willing to start him. I'm not super confident in Crowder, but I'd throw him in my lineup over guys like Brandon Cooks or Decaf Metcalf or <laughs> anybody like that. So, um, yeah, I'd roll him out in a flex spot if I needed to. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think I'm a little bit higher on him than you are, but I, I do think he's a guy who's a you know low-end wide receiver too uh, or flex guy, and he can get to the end zone. We've seen him have um, you know three touchdowns on three weeks prior to the last two. I just That streak was so hot. I, maybe it's obscuring my view on Jamison Crowder a little bit, um, but I do like him this week. Now, talk about one of the guys you just mentioned, Brandon Cooks. He's against Seattle. They're the 16th-ranked defense against wide receivers. Uh, and he was pretty much non-existent in their game in Week 13. Yeah, I am not starting Brandon Cooks this week. He's not involved. He's the clear number three receiver in this Rams offense that has actually struggled a little bit. 
He's only had three targets a game since returning from his injury. So, I mean, he's always got big play potential if you're if you're looking down, you know, looking at your options and you need upside. Like, sure, you can throw him in your flex and hope he gets the long touchdown. But at the same time, like, he's not getting volume. Uh, there's always the chance he, he gets hit in the head and goes out with another concussion. So, I'm not starting Cooks. No way. Yeah, when he came back from injury, he had that game against Baltimore. He had two receptions for 32 yards. Uh, probably burned you there if you're you know expecting him to be the Brandon Cooks of old that we're used to but then you thought hey in week 13 he's against Arizona that should be a great matchup and again only two receptions so yeah I'm with you there I, I don't want to touch Brandon Cooks until we at least see him get back to where he was if he has a blow-up game this week I'd feel a lot better about him um, for the rest of the fantasy playoffs and another guy we need to talk about Muhammad Sanu who's against Kansas City this week we'll talk about that game a little bit later what do you do with Muhammad Sanu? He came out in, in his first game back, had 14 targets. Since then, he's been you know kind of a, a footnote for the Patriots offense. Yeah, like you mentioned, his first game in New England, he was fantastic with those 14 targets. But Muhammad Sanu should be Muhammad Sanu this week because <laughs> he is still banged up. Wow. <laughs> Sorry about that joke. Uh, he's still banged. He's clearly still hurt. He... He only played 19 snaps last week. He's not 100%. They have the Chiefs this week, which I, I think on paper sounds like a great matchup. I actually had to double-click into this one because the Chiefs are number two against wide receivers this year. Uh, they've only allowed nine receiving touchdowns. Or I take that back. They've only allowed nine touchdowns to wide receivers this season. So while Kansas City always has the potential for a shootout, and I think it will, I think Edelman could have a fine game here. I just don't think Sanu is healthy, and they've got some young options on the outside, and Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, who as a group could help make up for that injury. So I do not feel good about Muhammad Sanu at all. Now in a team that actually won their game in Week 13, Terry McLaurin for the Washington Redskins, they beat the Panthers – and, yo, the Redskins were, were so excited. You see Dwayne Haskins taking selfies, celebrating with the fans. But that really didn't translate to a good game for Terry McLaurin, who's been a, turned into a bit of a fantasy darling this year. He's at Green Bay in Week 14. They're the eighth-best defense against wide receivers. Would you throw him out there maybe as a, a desperation or a flex play? McLaurin's always worth flex consideration. This week, I'm not starting him. Like you said, Green Bay's eighth against wide receivers. McLaurin's likely going to draw Jair Alexander in this one, who's been awesome this season. And he's got Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, and I do not feel good in the slightest about that. Uh, the volume's just not enough in this struggling Washington offense. I can't believe they've won two games in a row. But McLaurin did see 12 targets two weeks ago, but outside of that, the targets have been low. This is a running team. They're not a good team. I'm trying to stay away from McLaurin if I can, but... You know, if, if he's gotten you this far, he's always someone you can consider for a flex spot, but well, not one of my favorite picks this week. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't touch him. Maybe a DFS flyer if you want to get him on the cheap uh, in kind of a difficult matchup. If they're going to move the ball at all through the air, it's probably going to be through Terry McLaurin or Darius Guy's checkdowns. Now, two tight ends we need to talk about here who were pretty high profile. George Kittle against Baltimore. They absolutely shut him down. Yeah, George Kittle had a rough game last week. He only had two catches for 17 yards. I think this one was just a really tough game. It was a rainy day up in Baltimore. It, I mean, it was it was a 20 to 17 game, fairly low scoring, and, and Kittle has been a little bit hurt. So, I mean, I think Kittle will be fine. If you've got Kittle, you're always starting him. He's an elite tight end. This is coming off of a six catch for 129 yard and a touchdown game. 
Kittle's last game before he got hurt was six for 79 and a touchdown. So he's shown you what he can do this year. Even after missing two games, he's still tight in six on the season. He's a guy you got to roll out week in and week out. And I'd expect a bounce back performance from George Kittle this week. Would you say the same thing for Hunter Henry, who had two receptions for 10 yards against Denver in week 13? He plays Jacksonville coming up on Sunday. I would. We'll talk about Henry a little bit later in the show. Ooh. But at this point, he's better than any other streaming option uh, at the tight end position. He's been very involved all year. He should be able to get back on track. He's averaging five catches a game this season in games that he's played. So he, he's a safe guy who... Um, has shown some upside. He had a 30-point game in PPR earlier this season, and and um, he's a guy who gets targeted fairly frequently in this offense. It was a really rough game for the Chargers last week against Denver. Did not expect them to lose that one, and they were kind of off in all aspects of their game. So I expect Henry to get back on track. I'm with you there. Well, great breakdown going through some of the guys that we expect to or to not bounce back and how we feel plugging them into our lineups. I think it's time to get to our favorite segment here, Starts of the Week. Alex, I will let you go first. And as a refresher for everybody, what we're doing here with our starts of the week, these are not uh, our deep shots. These are not, you know, our our upside flyers or our sleepers. What we're looking at here are guys that you're kind of on the bubble where, you know, a lot of fantasy owners just need that kind of stamp of approval to be able to plug a guy into their lineup. Maybe it's a scary matchup that they're facing uh, or coming off of a bad game the week prior. We just want to tell you, hey, this is a guy that you can go ahead and start, expect a relatively high floor from him with some upside as well. Uh, so Alex, give me your quarterback start of the week for week 14. My quarterback start of the week is Ryan Tannathrill for the Tennessee Titans. They play the Oakland Raiders this week, who are 28th against quarterbacks in fantasy, giving up 22 points per game. And Ryan Tannehill, as a starter this year, has proven that he might be the future for this Tennessee Titans team. He's averaging 21.6 fantasy points per game in the six games that he's started. That average points per game puts him in between Dak Prescott and Patrick Mahomes for average points per game. So... I mean, he's he's been an obvious QB1 since he's been the starter. The name can just throw some people off sometimes. They have a great matchup this week. He's only 23% owned. So if Ryan Tannehill's out on the waiver wire and you're struggling at quarterback, maybe you've got Baker who has kind of burned you and now he's got the thumb injury or maybe you've got some other guys that just haven't been getting it done at the quarterback position. Pick up Ryan Tannehill this week and start him with confidence. He's also got a little bit of a rushing baseline, which people don't realize. He's had 35 or more rushing yards in three of the six games he started. And he's also had three rushing touchdowns in those six games. So at the quarterback position, when you get a little bump from rushing as well, it's always a plus, And I expect him to play very well against Oakland this week. Alex, welcome to the Tanny family. <laughs> Since his return in week seven, the Titans have the second highest scoring offense in the NFL. So absolutely, Tannehill has turned that team on. And everybody on that team is really benefiting from it. We've seen Derrick Henry have great games as well with him. Let me give you my start of the week here, though, at quarterback. It's a guy who's been pretty up and down this year, but he's still the QB 12. And it's Carson Wentz, who plays the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. The Giants are 24th against quarterbacks. And we just saw Rodgers come into MetLife and absolutely torch them. The Giants really struggled to cover deep passes. So I expect the Eagles to be ready to leverage what they saw the Packers do in Week 13. I know Wentz has burned some people this year and the Eagles have underperformed this season, but with Alshon Jeffrey and Aguilar, I think is expected to be back. I think Wentz is a safe top 10 QB with upside in this matchup at home. We'll talk a little bit more about their playoff hopes later in the show, but the Eagles still have a chance to win their division at five and seven. 
and they need a bounce back after that embarrassing loss against Miami. I think this is a get-right game for the Eagles and for Carson Wentz. I'm starting him with confidence. Love that pick, Steph. Now, moving on to the running back position, I'm going with a guy who's probably burned you a few times this season, but his matchup cannot be ignored, and it's Devontae Freeman for the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons play the Carolina Panthers this week, who are 31st against running backs this season. Last week against the Washington Redskins, the Panthers gave up 26 carries for 242 yards and three touchdowns. That is absolutely unbelievable that they gave up that kind of rushing game to Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis. So I'm rolling out Freeman with a bit of confidence this week because Freeman saw 21 touches last week in his first game back from injury. And along with that volume, he's caught at least three passes in nine of the 10 games that he's played this season. So not only is he getting volume, but he's getting a little bit of safe volume because in PPR formats, those three catches give you a really nice baseline for the running back position. Running backs have gashed Carolina this year. It's a home game for the Falcons. I expect Freeman to go out and have a great game. We've seen flashes from Freeman in the past. Uh, we know what he can do. And, and back from the injury, I think he goes out and, and has a really nice week here. Yeah, I do think Austin Hooper coming back into the fold for the Falcons does take away some of that receiving work for Freeman. Uh, but absolutely, I think he is a start this week. And another guy kind of in that same tier of running backs. We were It's funny, before the show, we were uh, having to make a pick in our uh, charity playoff league. And we were having a debate between these two guys, Devontae Freeman and my start of the week, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is against Cleveland this week. They're the 14th best defense against running backs. But you have to remember that now they're missing a core piece of their defense with Miles Garrett suspended. Mixon has scored 17 or more fantasy points in PPR leagues over four of his last five games. And regardless of how bad the Bengals are losing or winning uh, last week, We've seen him still be productive. It seems that the Bengals and their first-time head coach, Zach Taylor, are finally figuring out that he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. And against the Jets, he had four receptions for 26 yards in Andy Dalton's first game back under center. It was his most productive fantasy game through the air, and they actually won that one. So, you know, when Mixon does well, the team does better. I expect Mixon to get close to 20 carries and a couple receptions, whether the Browns come out hot or cold on Sunday. I think that's a great pick. The Bengals offense has looked to be a bit rejuvenated as of late, and Dalton certainly helps. Um, Quickly back to your point on Devontae Freeman. I think Hooper coming back uh, will help that Atlanta offense, but just a quick quick fact here. In in the first eight games of the season when Freeman and Hooper were both active and playing, Freeman averaged over four catches a game. So I think that definitely limits the overall volume for Freeman, but I think the receiving work is still safe. So both Freeman and Mixon, guys who have probably disappointed you this year if you took them in the top couple rounds, but I think they're both great plays this week, and that's a great call on Mixon for your start of the week, Steph. Yeah, that, that definitely changes my mind. That's a the good stat out there. Um, I'm actually really impressed how quickly you had that rebuttal planned. Um, <laughs> now, let's move over to wide receivers here. A guy I'm going to throw out there, you know, I think there's a wide spectrum of outcomes for this player, but I want to give fantasy owners the boost of confidence they need to start Cortland Sutton on the road against the Texans in week 14. I was recommending Sutton over some guys uh, on Twitter. Uh, By the way, uh, every Sunday morning and Saturday night, send us your fantasy questions. We're happy to answer those. Um, We'll be doing that for the rest of the season. But I was recommending Sutton over some guys like D.D. Westbrook and Sterling Shepard just based off of the philosophy that I hold near and dear as it's always really served me well is there's upside in the unknown. 
And we had no idea how Drew Locke would perform in his first game for the Broncos, but Sutton is a great young NFL talent who's shown to be effective regardless of who's throwing in the ball. He's the clear wide receiver one on the Broncos, and in an unfavorable matchup against the fourth best team versus wide receivers in the Chargers last week, Sutton still caught four or five targets for 74 yards and two touchdowns. So while I certainly don't expect two touchdowns every week, Sutton's been a fine matchup. Uh, Sutton has a fine matchup as the Texans are 21st against wideouts this year. I expect the Broncos to need to air it out again to keep up with Deshaun Watson and his guys. So even if the points come in garbage time, I have Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver too with upside this week. Wow, that's a bold pick. And honestly, it feels it feels so wrong. Like Cortland Sutton does not feel good as a start of the week in that nasty Broncos offense that has a quarterback roulette going on. But you're absolutely right. Cortland Sutton has proved to be matchup proof. He's proved to be quarterback proof. And it seems like Sutton is the wide receiver option one, two, and three in Denver. So I think it's a safe play. And at this point, I mean, like you alluded to, Sutton is a locked and loaded guy. You kind of got to fade the noise and and just know that Sutton's an incredibly talented guy who's still going to see targets. He had that incredible one-handed catch last week. So you kind of got to fade all the noise around him and just plug him in regardless and kind of close your eyes and, and go ahead and do it. So moving on to my receiver start of the week, it's a guy that we've been talking up for a while. And after, I mean, if you started him last week, you're certainly starting him this week because he probably got you into the playoffs. It's Devontae Parker. He's a guy we have been talking up for weeks now. We have seen his play increase throughout the season. When Preston Williams went out, he saw a huge bump in target share. Since the Williams injury, he's had over 10 targets in four straight games. So he's wide receiver 20 on the season. He's coming off that game with seven catches for 159 yards and two touchdowns. And you got to keep rolling him out there with confidence. I think Devontae Parker is a locked-in wide receiver, too, with upside for the balance of the year, especially this week against the New York Jets, who are 24th against the wide receiver position. Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing the ball great, and the the Dolphins are kind of coming together a little bit with Fitzpatrick at quarterback, Devontae playing well, Gesicki's coming on. So I think you're all Devontae Parker with confidence, and I think he has another big game. He might not get the monster game that he had last week, but I think he has another fine game this week against the New York Jets. I'm with you 100%, and we've seen him catch every type of ball from every kind of route uh, whether it's a a deep bomb that's you know a forty yard touchdown um, or more you know catches in traffic, we've seen Parker just be fantastic all over, and you know, that's really the result of of finally getting a quarterback who's trying to sling it out in, in Fitz Magic. So I'm with you there. I think Devontae Parker's a great pick. I started him, and he definitely helped me get into the playoffs as well. Alex, I have two questions for you. Who would you think is the most targeted player? and the highest-scoring offense in the NFL this season? Let's see here. Highest-scoring offense, I want to say, is the Ravens, and I think their most targeted player is probably Mark Andrews. Yeah, you're spot on. I I know being in tight ends probably gave it away, uh, but Mark Andrews is leading the NFL uh, amongst all tight ends and touchdowns, and he's my start of the week. I'm actually working on a fantasy film room episode on Andrews. I know I mentioned that earlier. You know, and the point of that whole video is that regardless of matchup, you have to plug Andrews into your lineup. This week, he plays the second-best defense against tight ends in the Buffalo Bills on the road, but Andrews is coming off a 14-point PPR game against the number one defensive matchup in the 49ers. If you have Andrews, you're probably starting him, but in Week 14, I want to tell fantasy owners, you have to start Andrews based on the quality of his targets, his consistency, and his function as a wide receiver one and the Super Bowl favorite Ravens offense. 
You would feel confident starting any player that has the most targets and receptions on the highest scoring offense in the NFL, and that's what Andrews is. So despite the scary matchup, again, just throw him in there and bank on tight end one numbers with a ton of upside if he ends up with a couple deep balls and multiple touchdowns. That's a great pick, and I think that, I mean, Andrews is tight end three on the season, but I think that's the reason we do this start of the week segment. We had a lot of questions last week about Mark Andrews. Do I start him against San Francisco? Do I start guys like, you know, Ryan Griffin over Mark Andrews or Mike Gesicki over Mark Andrews? And we we really stood firm with Mark. I know Gesicki ended up having a good game, but over most of those streamer guys, we stood really firm with Mark Andrews. He ended up having three for 50 and a touchdown. And he's a guy who, regardless of matchup, you got to roll him out there. He's proven that he's an awesome player. And that's a great, that's a great stat stuff. I've never thought about it like that. The number one option on the number one scoring offense so, I mean, that's kind of why we do this segment is for guys like Mark Andrews that you, you don't really expect them to be tight end three before the season. So when you see the name, you don't really associate it with that level of consistency quite yet. Um, so that's a great pick. And, and my pick's kind of similar. It's Hunter Henry. And, and it's similar but different because Henry is coming off of a bad game. But he's averaging five catches a game and seven targets a game this season. And I talked about him a little bit earlier when we talked about bounce back players, but Henry is the number two option in a very pass-heavy offense in the Los Angeles Chargers. So behind Keenan Allen, Henry gets a ton of targets. Um, he's coming off of that game where he only had two catches for 10 yards. But Henry has proved to be an awesome option for this team. He's clearly fine after the injury. Before this game, his previous several games, he had six catches, four catches and a touchdown, seven catches, four catches, six catches, eight catches and two touchdowns. So although he had a bad game, he's super involved in this offense. Um, don't worry about the bad game because he is going to bounce back. He's going to regress back to the mean, which is a very high mean for a guy like Hunter Henry. So roll him out with confidence, put him in there over some of these other streaming options and hope for a good game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. One other guy I want to bring up, you know, all the fantasy outlets that I'm following are mentioning this guy. I want to throw you know, the double move sports stamp of approval out here on him as well. Jack Doyle against Tampa Bay. I think he's a great tight end play. I know we didn't bring him up here in our starts of the week, but I want to throw him out there as an honorable mention. Alex, question for you. Would you start Jack Doyle? Let's say you just picked him up off the waivers and you have Mark Andrews or Hunter Henry sitting there. Are you going to get cute here in the playoffs in in week 14? Oh, that's tough because I just said to start Andrews and to start Henry over some of these streamers. I think... Man, that's tough because they also have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to be really thin at wide receiver. Ebron's out. I... I wouldn't fault you for it. He's coming off a solid game, 6 for 73 and a touchdown. I think Doyle has proven, I mean, after last week with with that big game with some of those receivers being out, I think he has proven to be a tight end one and a guy who can roll out. I would lean Andrews and Henry over Doyle just by a hair because I think they're safer and more proven players at this point. But if you wanted some upside and you wanted to roll Doyle out there because of the target share you think he might get, I, I don't really have a problem with it. Great question, though. No, I agree with you 100%. Now let's switch gears here. Let's move away from some of the confident starts and really shoot our shot here. I got some pretty nasty takes. Uh, Alex, I will pass the ball to you first. Give me your first deep shot. And and just as a, a quick reminder to everybody, what we're saying here with deep shots, these are your desperation plays. This is a guy that, let's say you have a player plugged in there, maybe at your flex or your wide receiver too. 
and a guy gets injured right before the game, um, misses the game for whatever reason, you just got to pick a guy off waivers, or maybe you're really desperate out of position. Maybe you barely squeaked into the playoffs, and now you really need to to make some moves. I'm kind of in this position as well, uh, but Alex, give me your first deep shot for week 14. Yeah, Steph, I know you've actually started my deep shot of the week two weeks in a row now, and it's been pretty good for you in our league that we're in together. So hopefully we can keep that rolling this week. And my first deep shot is Alexander Madison of the Minnesota Vikings. He's only 19% owned. And first of all, if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, you should own Alexander Madison everywhere. Like, there's no reason you should own Dalvin Cook and not own his handcuff, Alexander Madison, especially with the playoffs coming up, especially with Cook being banged up. Anyway, let's get back into Madison. So, Cook is questionable for this game. He actually um, left the Monday night matchup against Seattle uh, with an injury. So, he's questionable against Detroit, who is 30th against running backs this season. It's a super favorable matchup. It remains to be seen whether Cook will play. And if Cook is out, Madison, to me, is a locked and loaded top eight running back on the week but even if cook does play i think he'll be he could be limited or he could re-aggravate that injury and leave the game so i think if you're in a real pinch you can roll out madison and hope for the upside so after cook exited last week madison had four carries for 22 yards and he also had four catches for 51 yards and in some relief work this year we've seen madison have some really really nice runs he had a couple long ones called back in a couple games as well and against oakland he had 12 for 58 and a touchdown Against the Giants, he had 7 for 52. Against Philly, he had 14 for 63. So he's a guy who's at a really high yards per carry average. He just hasn't quite gotten the work. So in a game when I think that uh, Cook could be out or limited, Madison is a great guy to roll out. And if he gets 10-plus touches in this one, I think he should be an RB2 on the week. I'm with you 100%. I think Madison is a, is a great pickup, and I think he has a bright future uh, for the Vikings. If, if anything were to happen to Dalvin or um, you know some free agency business went down, uh, I like Madison a lot, especially in, in Dynasty as well. So my first deep shot here, it's, it's such an ugly pick. This is a guy who's not only a goal line back, but also a receiving back, and it's Patrick Laird. Gross. For the Miami Dolphins. It's a gross pick, but he's at the Jets this week. Jamal Adams is banged up. Yeah, I don't think the Jets are going to risk more injury to their young star safety. And we've seen Miami actually be able to score points lately. We saw him do it against the Eagles. Uh, and they haven't scored less than 16 points as a team in the last five games. Fitzmagic will get them down to the goal line. And if there's goal line rushing work to be had, I think it is Patrick Laird. He did have four receptions, so there could be some more garbage time checkdowns as well, depending on the game script. I know it's really, really ugly, but there's really not that many options out there for a lot of guys. You know, certainly I would take Madison over Laird, but in one of my leagues, I had David Johnson and Marlon Mack both went down uh, or have underperformed late in the season. I'm kind of desperate here at running back. This is a very running back heavy league that I'm in. And right now I'm debating starting guys like you know, Sony Michelle or Alexander Madison or Patrick Laird. And as I was going through some of the numbers, it just became a little bit more appealing to me. Um, and based on what we saw in week 13, if you're really, really desperate, I really don't mind throwing him out there at your RB2. Certainly there's guys you can flex over him. I'd take a wide receiver over him in PPR any day of the week. Uh, but I do think he could have some, some end zone potential uh, and some garbage time potential. What do you think, Alex? It, wow. I, I mean, we've come full circle on the fantasy season. Um, you bring up some good points, though. I mean, Patrick Laird played 
43 snaps last game. He, I mean, he had 10 carries for five yards on the ground. Goal line <laughs> but work. He did, but he, did, he got the touchdown. He got the touchdown, and he also got receiving work, the four for 43 that you mentioned. So he saw 43 snaps. Balazs is out now for the season. So if you need a guy, and you need a guy who's going to be on the field and he's going to get some touches, I mean, roll Patrick Laird out there. I, I really don't mind it. I think if you're in a pinch, this is what this segment is for. You can go for it. So moving on to my second deep shot of the week, I'm going to go with a guy from my Indianapolis Colts, Zach Pascal. He is playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 32nd against wide receivers in fantasy, dead last. And last week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dominated the Jaguars. They got they knocked Nick Foles out to a benching in the first half, and... You know, they, they dominated that game from start to finish. And even in a game that they were absolutely in control of, they gave up 42 points to the wide receiver position. I know Minshew coming in in the second half helped that out in some garbage time. But in a game that they felt like they dominated, they still gave up 42 points to the wide receivers. So looking at the Colts wide receivers this week, it is Zach Pascal. Uh, they also have Paris Campbell. So, I mean, they're thin. Hilton's out. Well, well, Hilton is likely to miss. Funchess is still on IR. Chester Rogers is out for the season. Eric Ebron is out for the season. So Pascal is really the last man standing. Last week, he had seven catches for 109 yards on 10 targets. And we've seen him have some really solid games this season. So, I mean, if you're in a pinch, I think you can roll up Pascal. He, he definitely is hit or miss. But the weeks that uh, he sees volume, he's very productive. So, Zach Pascal is my deep shot of the week. Roll him out with confidence against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their last-ranked defense against wide receivers. Yeah, just like your Russell Gage uh, deep shot the last two weeks, I think this is another one where you know uh, Pascal is kind of a T.Y. Hilton handcuff, so to speak. Just like Russell Gage was kind of a Julio Jones handcuff. Now both can be effective when those starters are on the field, but you know having those star wide receivers out helps some of these other guys and. You know, seven receptions on 10 targets. I think he can do that again uh, in the matchup in week 14. I like that deep shot there. I have uh, Pascal stash in a couple of my leagues. So, yeah, I, I like that take. My last one here also feels pretty gross, uh, but it's Darius Slayton for the New York Giants. He's against Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. While Philly's defense has been much improved this year, their secondary has been suspect all season long, especially against the deep ball. We just saw the Dolphins beat them off the back of Devontae Parker's seven receptions for 159 yards and two touchdowns. And while I don't expect Darius Slayton to have 35 PPR points like Parker did, one thing they have in common is a team that doesn't want to check the ball down. Now, right before the show, the news broke that uh, Daniel Jones, I believe, has he been ruled out? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Alex, could you check on that? Uh, he is likely to be ruled out. So as of now, you guessed it. They are expected to start Eli Manning in this Monday Night Football primetime matchup. You knew it had to be this way. Um, you know, So this does change kind of the perspective on, I think, all the Giants a little bit. I think Saquon can get an uptick uh, with Eli Manning in the game. We'll see uh, some more checkdowns. But if they want to sling it deep, and or when they want to sling it deep, 
I think the the main option for them is Darius Slayton. Uh, I know Golden Tate's been banged up. Uh, maybe if he's back in the game, you downgrade Slayton a bit. Uh, but we've seen Slayton have huge games this year. He's had 10, 4, and 6 receptions over his last three games. So he's getting a, a slight floor uptick. Now I know that's coming off of the back of some injuries to Evan Ingram um, and some other guys. But if you need upside in your flex or you just want a cheap DFS start that you can throw in there, the risk may be worth the reward. Yeah, I think that's a great call. Slayton, I mean, at least seven targets in his past three games is is nothing to be ignored. He's He's been involved. I think Eli Manning definitely um, hits some of his upside because Danny Dimes does love to throw it deep, but Slayton's only 26% owned. So if you're in a pinch, throw him out there and, and hope for the deep ball. Now we're going to move over to a kind of altered version uh, of one of the segments we've done previously, which is, you know, what is the game with the most fantasy value uh, this upcoming week? We're going to change the format a little bit. You know, kind of the philosophy we take with this podcast and all of our content is, you know, we want to constantly be getting better based on the feedback, based on how we feel about the different segments. And so what we're going to transition to is talking about teams with the most fantasy value as opposed to games that way we can kind of drill down on one specific side of the ball uh, talk about a couple different pieces that we like kind of in one bucket so Alex give me your team with the most fantasy value in week 14 the team that I like the most this week is the Minnesota Vikings they play the Detroit Lions and it's only a 43 and a half point over under but the Vikings are favored by 13 points when I'm I actually, that, Alex, I got to interrupt you here. I'm actually steaming right now because the Vikings were my pick as well. <laughs> well. Perfect. I had trouble with it this week because there's, I mean, most of the good games are between good defenses or a really good offense and a really good defense. Like we've got the Saints and the Niners. So I, I'm worried about the Saints a little bit. And then we've got the, the Chiefs and the Patriots. So I'm worried about the Chiefs a little bit. So... I mean, it's funny we have the same team, but I think it's just that obvious then. Would they expect Thielen to be back this week? Obviously, you're starting him if he's back. Stephon Diggs should be a good play against this weak Lions defense. The Lions defense is actually 29th in the NFL in yards a game. They're giving up 398 yards a game. So there's plenty to go around. Cousins is a strong start. Uh, we mentioned the receivers. If Cook is in, he's a top five play. If Dalvin Cook is out, I think Alexander Madison is a top 10 play. So Rudolph is a streamable tight end. So that, that's my take on the Vikings. I think most of their main options are, are great starts this week. Steph, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, the Lions are 26th against wide receivers, 30th against running backs, and 25th uh, against quarterbacks. So you like all of Not that. Not a big math guy, but I like those numbers. <laughs> yeah, you like those numbers there. And, you know, that makes you feel good for every piece that's on the Vikings. And with David how do you say his name? David uh, Blue? David... Uh, Blah! David Blah? Uh. <laughs> David... Yeah. That that speaks for itself. David Blau. Yes, thank you. David Blau. Um, with David Blau under center for the Lions, he actually looked kind of solid uh, against a fairly difficult matchup in the Chicago Bears in his first game under center. I think he could keep the Lions in this game for longer than we expect against an 8-4 and four Vikings team needing every win they can get to, to fight against Green Bay in that division. So, yeah, I love the Vikings. I'm right with you. It's funny that we both have the same team. I think that just speaks to you know how confident we are in all of their pieces. Uh, what do you think about Kyle Rudolph? He's not a guy that I, I wrote down. I think with Adam Thielen coming back, it does hurt him. What do you think about Kyle Rudolph, maybe if you need a, a deep tight end start? 
if if Thielen's back, I'm definitely trying to pivot somewhere else. Um, Rudolph has been fantastic since the Thielen injury in fantasy and PPR format since the Thielen injury. He's had 16.8, 4.7, which isn't great, but then 11.3, 19.4, 17.7, and 15. He's got five touchdowns in his last four games. So I think that definitely takes a hit if Thielen comes back. But I will say, I think Rudolph through these past several weeks has proved that unlike the beginning of the season when he was predominantly a blocker, he has proved that he needs to be uh, an option in the passing game. So I think you can still roll him out there if you have to, but if there's a guy like Gesicki on the waiver wire or maybe even a Dallas Goddard, I might be trying to pivot to one of those guys um, over Kyle Rudolph. And what more do we need to say about Kirk Cousins? He's been a weekly start since week five, and the last time he played Detroit, it was on the road, and he threw four touchdowns and 338 yards. I think that's in his wheelhouse again here in week 14. Fire up the Vikings against the Lions team, trying to figure things out. And with all that said, let's move on to some of the takeaways from what we saw in week 13. So we're going to go through some of the games here and just talk about implications for the playoff picture and for the team. So moving away from fantasy here, and we got to talk about this one, probably the, the headline of the week. The Ravens beat the 49ers at home by three. Big trust. Big trust. And yeah, 20 to 17 final score in that game. It was in some rough weather, but I had a blast watching that game. Just the rushing work on both sides of the ball was just so impressive to watch. It's a thing of beauty when you see that 49ers line blocking and then with the Ravens. I don't even think we need to beat a dead horse here and keep talking about how great they've been. But, man, what's the implication here? Both teams are now, uh, I believe, 10-2. and two. I have to double-check that real quick. That's correct. Yes, okay, so both teams 10-2. and two. Um, You know, is this a, a preview for the Super Bowl? Wow, I sure would be thrilled if it was. I think, I mean, we talked about it last week on the pod, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, and this is what happens. It was an absolutely... Uh, incredible football game. The The Ravens looked really strong in this one in a sloppy day up in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson looked great yet again. And the big, the big takeaway from this game is that if all holds, the Ravens are the one seed in the AFC, which come playoff time, we all know how tough it is to go through New England on the way to the Super Bowl. So if, if the Ravens can finish strong, they've got the Bills this week at, at the Bills. Uh, and then they've got the Jets, the Browns, and the Steelers. So the schedule, I mean, there's definitely a couple trap games in there, but it should be doable to win all those games after the tear we've seen the Ravens the Ravens go on over the past few weeks. So if the Ravens can finish out uh, with four wins and get the one seed in the AFC, I, I mean, they're, they're hands down the favorite to make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and this is a rough one for the 49ers. It was a well-fought game. But I feel kind of bad for the schedule that they've had to go through, kind of crescendoing uh, this week in week 14 against the Saints. So their last couple games here, they played the Seahawks, then they played the Packers, then they had the Ravens, and then again with the Saints coming up, uh, they just had a tough schedule. Uh, But they've responded extremely well to it. We were questioning, were they the real deal early in the season where they were playing some softer matchups and like the Redskins, the Bengals, um, you know, but we've seen them, you know, beat the Rams. I expect them to do it again. So yeah, Niners, I think they're still a Super Bowl uh, contender. And so are the Ravens. It's going to be a Harbaugh Bowl round two. I got a question real quick. Do you know if the season ended today, what seed the 49ers would be in the NFC? Oh, man, I, I know how top-heavy the, the NFC is. Man, I got to feel like it's something around like four or five. 
Yeah, if the season ended today, they'd be the five seed. And wow. it feels like the Niners have been kind of the the whole the big story and the big narrative around the NFL this year on the team level. It seems like they're the team that was kind of being talked about the most with the biggest turnaround and the defense and everything. And the poor 49ers, they lose they lose this tough one to Baltimore and they're ten and two. And if the season ended today, they would be in the wild card weekend on the road against Dallas. So I mean, we'll talk about them in a little bit with some of the games we're looking forward to this week. But, but man, that NFC is so top-heavy. It's just going to be so crucial down the stretch. Just one game could really be the difference between the one seed and home field advantage and a bye or playing on the road in wild card weekend. So definitely something to look out for down the stretch. Yeah, and the 49ers don't exactly have it easy. Again, with the Saints in Week 14, the Falcons after that, the Rams and the Seahawks again. Remember how that game played out in overtime on Monday Night Football? They lost by a field goal. So a lot of fun to watch in this this division. And for the 49ers, it's going to be really, really exciting to see how things pan out. Another game we need to talk about between an AFC team and a, and a NFC team is the Bills, who bodied the Cowboys on Thanksgiving on the road. They beat the boys 26-15. to and we saw the Bills start to get a little bit cocky. They're feeling themselves now. Yeah, this one was a statement game for Buffalo. One of the narratives around this team throughout the start of the year was that they hadn't played anybody. Their wins were against the Jets, the Giants, the Bengals, the the Mariota-led Titans, the Dolphins, the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Broncos. So they had played – I mean, their only wins were against some of the bottom feeders in the NFL. This was their first real test against – um, a good team on the road, and they went into Dallas on Thanksgiving in the national spotlight and dominated that game. The Cowboys, we know, have been a bit disappointing as well, but they're no joke, and the Bills look really strong behind Josh Allen, who's taken a bunch of strides forward as a quarterback. The running game looks awesome. John Brown has been a wide receiver one, and the defense has been fantastic. So the Bills, surprisingly, they're sitting at 9-3. and three. They're one game away from New England in the division, and they play New England in week 16. So, I mean, I don't think any of us thought that division was going to come down to the wire, but it could. I mean, they play the Ravens this week, so that's going to be another test for Buffalo. But keep an eye out for the Bills. I think they're proving that they need to be taken seriously. Yeah, and Josh Allen's having a, a breakout season. He looks fantastic now that they've put some pieces around him. you got to remember, when he came into the league, you know, his wide receiver one was, what, Kelvin Benjamin? So, you know, now that they've put some pieces around him and, and continue to build the team uh, around a young guy that people were kind of questioning his rookie year, we definitely saw, you know, the fight and the athleticism that he had. He plays with a ton of heart. He's just a, a grimy, gritty player, and, and you love some of the plays that we saw, like when he, he lost the ball somewhere in the middle of a sea of linemen that were on the ground, picks it up, and then just goes body to body with a Cowboys defender for the first down. Like Those are just the plays that you live for, and so, yeah, I mean, I think the Bills, they should feel themselves. Uh, now, they do have some tough games coming up with the Ravens this week. We'll talk about that game here in a second. Then they play the Steelers, the Patriots. And then the Jets in Week 17. So you know if they can survive um, and stay kind of in this AFC Wild Card race, um, you know Bills could be scary come playoff time. Absolutely. And another quick note on Josh Allen and just the strides he's taken as a quarterback. He played 12 games last season. He's through 12 games this season. I just want to go through some of his numbers and some of his improvement. His completion percentage is 9% better from 52 to 61. He's thrown for 500 more yards. He's averaging 6.6 more yards per attempt. He's got six more touchdowns and four less interceptions. 
and his rating has gone from a 68 passer rating to an 88. So Josh Allen, I mean, from year one to year two has been um, just hands down one of the most improved quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think, you know, this has been a great season for him to grow as a player and that could continue into the rest of the year. So another team fighting for the playoffs that took an L in week 13 was my Cleveland Browns. They lost 21 to 13 on the road in Pittsburgh against Ducky Hodges. Terrible game. I just, as a fan, I, I hated every second of that game. I hate the Steelers, but you know, we talked about the Browns last week. You know, you said, if I remember correctly, that they're still playoff contenders or have playoff potential. You can correct me there. But, you know, is this a death sentence for the Browns season, losing to the Steelers? Unfortunately, Steph, I think it is. The Browns are done. They they do have the Bengals and the Cardinals in their next two, so maybe they can keep it interesting and, and get some help. But if the Browns want any chance, they're going to have to beat the Ravens in Week 16. I don't see that happening. Um, so, unfortunately, I, I think the Browns are done. The Steelers this year... Wow, they have just been as gritty as can be. They lost Big Ben. They've lost Juju to injury. Le'Veon's out of town. A.B. is out of town. Their backup quarterback's hurt. So, I mean, the Steelers are sitting here at 7-5, and five, and it's just incredible what they've done this season. They're grinding it out. Their defense is playing strong. And I think it speaks to what kind of coach Mike Tomlin is, even given the cards he's been dealt. He's just grinding out wins. Uh, the Steelers play the Cardinals this week, the Bills next week, and then the Jets and then the Ravens. So two tough ones in there and, and two that, that you expect the Steelers to be competitive. And if they can win two of those four, I think at nine and seven with uh, the tiebreaker over the Colts, I, I mean, I think they could sneak into that last wild card spot in the AFC. I would really hate to see that. But let's talk about another I game. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to watch the Steelers. I would much rather see Ryan Tannehill and the Titans sneak into that that last spot. So speaking of the Titans, let's talk about their game against the Colts. The broadcast mentioned this one as being a separation game in the in the AFC South as the Titans and the Colts were both sitting at 6 and 5, and the Titans looked great. Tannehill looks awesome. He looks like he could be the quarterback of the future for the Titans, and Derrick Henry has really established himself on the ground. Steph, what do you think about this Titans team? I definitely think they're trending in the right direction, but I do feel like I need to see a little bit more from them. We've seen the Titans. I mean, they make the playoffs every year, just barely, and they lose in the first round. So I need to see a little bit more from them. We've seen them have you know very positive stretches. We've seen Derrick Henry get going and be really effective for them. We even saw Mariota get it done uh, you know, in some short stretches here. I'm not ready to put my stamp of approval on the Titans yet, um, but certainly one I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, I would love for them to, to do well, but you know the old saying with the Titans is they, they win when you expect them to lose, and they lose when you expect them to win. So I need to see a little bit more. They have some interesting games coming up. Uh, I think they're going to be put to the test. Uh, they play the Texans twice over the next four weeks uh, and the Saints as well before the season's over. So they'll have certainly their time to, to prove me wrong, um, but I'll be rooting for them. I hope they can pull it out. Yeah, that's a brutal schedule. And Steph, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you, as an NFL coach, not in fantasy, not in any of that, as an NFL coach, would you consider Derrick Henry to be a top five running back? I think I got to go back to that that same point. I just need to see more uh, from Henry over a longer period of time. Um, now, if we're talking about guys right now, let's see here. Who's up there? 
of course, McCaffrey, of course, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon, Saquon even, you know, if we're talking about right now today or, or based on the season, it depends on our criteria here. You put Camara up there, you put, um, yeah, absolutely Saquon up there. Um, guys like, you know, Nick Chubb is, is definitely an honorable mention. I don't think he's top five, but he certainly, he's Four close Ned. to that realm. Thank you for Ned is another one. I mean, I think Derrick Henry is in that range. If we're talking about current running backs in the league, just need to see more from him. Certainly, he's yeah. You know, when you see him on the field, he just looks like an absolute beast. I would be scared as a defender to touch him, and I think that's kind of what we were hearing um, from you know defenders after they play against the Titans. They're like, I don't want to tackle this guy. Uh, it's gonna feel like a Mack truck hitting you square in the face. So, yeah, I think Derrick Henry is a, a scary guy to be up against, but not sure if I'm ready to crown him as top five yet. All right, and one more guy we forgot to mention there, of course, was Dalvin Cook. So. Uh, Derrick Henry right now is third in the NFL in rushing yards, and he's also third in rushing touchdowns. Unlike some of the other guys we mentioned, he doesn't bring that receiving element to his game. He can, and we've seen him take some screen passes and things to the house. But I'm with you. I think he's right there on the fringe, but I'd love to see a little bit a little bit more out of him, a little bit more consistency over time. Yeah, if the Titans can make a playoff run, you know, that'll that'll prove to me that hey, this is their future. Tannehill is their guy. They've they finally figured out their quarterback situation. I do like a lot of the pieces they have. They have a lot of, of up-and-coming young talents, and their defense has been stout all year. It's It's been a scary matchup in, in fantasy or uh, not. But, yeah, we've seen this time and time again from the Titans. Just, just need them to prove it. I think Derrick Henry might be the Marshawn Lynch of this generation. Interesting. I think that's a bit of a hot take, but I, I do see where you're coming from with that. The beast quake. I mean, we saw that happen. Uh, with that Seattle playoff game a couple years ago. Henry's had some similar runs to that. But anyway, we've talked about Derrick Henry enough. Let's go ahead and move on. Let's look forward to this week, week 14. What are some games in the NFL that we're looking forward to? I'll let you kick it off, Steph. What is your number one game to watch this weekend? And my my game I'm looking forward to the most, it's another one that's at 1 o'clock. I feel like we can't get these, these games at the right times this year. But it's the 49ers in New Orleans playing the Saints. Both teams are 10-2. and two. Both teams are top of the NFC. The Saints are actually two and a half point favorites at home. It's a 45 and a half point over under. And I got just going with my gut here. I think the Saints are going to take it. We just talked about the rough schedule that the Niners have gone through. I think those guys are beat up. I do think they'll hang with the Saints. And I think Vegas has this one you know, spot on. This could come down to a walk-off field goal, maybe some overtime action, but I'm so pumped up for this game. I think it's going to tell a lot for both teams um, you know, and, and create some more parity uh, in the NFC. Yeah, we talked about the difficult schedule for the Niners. We talked about how, I mean, they've been the story of the NFC, and yet they're likely to be playing on Wild Card Weekend if they don't win this one. And I'm with you. I think the Saints win it. The 49ers lost on the road last week to Baltimore. They're traveling again down in New Orleans. Breeze plays great in that Superdome. So I have the Saints to win this one. I think it's going to be an awesome game, and it's definitely number one on my games to watch list as well. So moving into one more game that that was close for me. It's another kind of offense versus defense kind of matchup, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots. The, the Patriots are surprisingly only three-point favorites in this one at home. It's a 48.5 point over-under, so Vegas does think that the offense is going to take precedent, precedent over the defense in this one. The Chiefs are sitting at 8-4. and four, The Patriots are 10-2. and two. Uh, and the Patriots really need a win in this one to contend for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 
like we talked about earlier, Baltimore's the one seed right now. If the Patriots drop this one, it's going to be really tough for them to bounce back for that one seed, having lost to Baltimore earlier in the season. And the Bills are right on their heels. If the Patriots drop this one and the Bills win, that game in Week 16 could end up being for the division. So I think it's going to be a great game. I actually think that the Patriots are going to bounce back a little bit and take this one. I think it is going to be a, a higher-scoring game, close to that over-under. But I have the Patriots to win just by hair. What about you, Steph? Yeah, I'm with you. I think that defense is just too dominant in everyone they've played. Now, we saw the Patriots' defense get a little bit exposed against the Texans, um, but I do think they're going to correct some of the things that they saw. We know Belichick. We know what he's going to do. He's going to you know plug those holes that he saw uh, on the film. I think just based off that game with the Texans, you know, maybe if the Patriots went into Houston and laid the smackdown on the Texans, we'd think a little bit differently um, about this game and, and feel much more confident about the Patriots. Uh, but I think what we saw is that, hey, you know, they can get exposed at times. Um, so I do think this will be a very close game. I think this could be another one with some overtime potential here. And I think it's going to be a big test for the Chiefs. Um, always love watching the Chiefs and the Patriots. Mahomes and Brady go at it. Always has turned into a great game. Uh, the last, I think it's two years that we've seen that uh, as a season opener as one of the years. And that was with Alex Smith. Uh, and then last year was a, a shootout as well. So I'm looking forward to this one. I hope it delivers. It's got the highest over under on the week. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped up for it. It's going to be a good one. Uh, and this one goes down on, uh, it goes down Sunday afternoon at 425 PM Eastern time. Yeah. And last game I'm looking forward to, we alluded to it earlier, the Ravens, Going up to Buffalo to play the Bills. The Bills are five and a half point underdogs in this game. It's a 43 and a half point over under. So Vegas expects this to be pretty low scoring. Uh, Alex, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, this is going to be a big test for the Bills. Uh, I, I think the Ravens have kind of been through the gauntlet, so they know what these tests are like. I have the Ravens to win this one. Um, I also think they cover. They've just been absolutely dominant this season. It's hard to pick uh, against the Ravens. So. I expect them to go into Buffalo and win. Something to keep an eye on is Lamar Jackson needs 63 rushing yards to break Michael Vick's single-season uh, rushing record by a quarterback. So this should be the game Lamar gets it. If he doesn't, I mean, we all know he's going to get there this year. Um, so so keep an eye out. It could be a historic weekend for uh, Lamar Jackson, and it's going to be a fun game to watch. The Ravens run game comes up against another really tough defense, and I think ultimately they went out, but it should be a good back-and-forth game between two really good young quarterbacks in that uh, quarterback class that we saw last season or last, um, last offseason. Yeah, it feels kind of like the same old song and dance here for the Ravens. They've played dominant team after dominant team, tough defense after tough defense, and they've been fantastic the entire time. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a game kind of like uh, what we saw with the Rams where the Ravens just beat the brakes off of him. Lamar gets pulled in the fourth quarter. Like that, That is in the realm of possibilities in this game. Uh, could certainly see it happening. That's the last one we're going to dive into. I'm, I'm really pumped for Week 14. Some other games to look forward to, though. Seahawks at Rams, Titans at Raiders, Panthers at Falcons. Those are all going to be good ones as well. Shout out to Riverboat Ron. I uh, was actually really surprised that, that the Panthers did let Ron Rivera go. Alex, any reaction to that firing before we sign off here? I was shocked. I didn't see it coming. I know the Panthers have been kind of middle of the pack the last couple seasons, and I guess that was the last draw with a four-game losing streak and losing to that terrible Redskins team. But but Rivera's been one of the better coaches in the league, in my opinion. He's been there for nine seasons. He He's 73-63-1 and 63 and one as their coach, which is a 
a 55% win percentage, which in the NFL is no easy feat. He was a three-time division – or he led the Panthers to, to three straight division titles from 2013 to 2015. Uh, he won Coach of the Year twice, and he's one of ten coaches in NFL history to win Coach of the Year twice. Uh, and he also led them to the Super Bowl in 2015, which they lost. But you look at their team, and they've got weapons. They've got young receivers and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, McCaffrey – is obviously there in the backfield, and he is incredible. His quarterback's out. Cam Newton's hurt. He's done a really good job with Kyle Allen and setting him up for success. The defense has struggled, but, but man, I thought it was a little harsh. Definitely not the coach I thought was going to go first this season, and, and I guess it's time to rebuild for the Panthers. I'd be surprised if Cam Newton is there next season. Yeah, new owner David Tepper seems like he's just kind of clearing house. He wants to put his own stamp on the Panthers organization. And, I yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways is that you know, this uh, to me at least affirms that Cam Newton is not going to be there next year. If you're the Panthers, do you feel confident rolling Kyle Allen out there or are you going to go back to the draft? I think you look to the draft. I think it, Kyle Allen at least gives you the option as kind of a bridge quarterback to, to draft a younger guy uh, and let him sit behind Allen for, for any amount of games. Maybe it's half a season. Maybe it's a whole season. We've kind of seen that happen with Mahomes sitting behind Alex Smith and coming out hot in his second year. And we saw Lamar Jackson sit for the first part of his rookie season. That's that's kind of the, the mold that the NFL is taking, regardless of where guys are drafted. So I think Kyle Allen's at least good enough to be a starter for another season or, and maybe beyond if he continues to play well. But I think for the future of this franchise, like Kyle Allen's not a guy who's going to go out and win them a Super Bowl. So I think they have to go to the draft. But but Kyle Allen should be fine in the meantime. Yeah, I thought Kyle Allen's been pretty impressive all year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if they do keep him around, uh, but I think going to the draft uh, would also be a good option for him. Just depends on on who's there, and we'll get into a little bit more of uh, some of these type of topics in the off season. But thank you all so much for listening. Have a great week 14. Good luck in the fantasy playoffs. Send us your questions on Twitter at Double Move Sports. Check us out on YouTube, Double Move Sports on there. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Boom. Boom shakalaka.